I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us as we build an original science fiction world. All right, welcome back, everybody. Today, we're going to talk at the top of the show about whatever's on our mind, media club stuff, things we're watching or reading, maybe other stuff. And then, you know, eventually we'll get into talking about our story as the heart of the episode, which I guess gives you a choice, right? If, you, uh, if you're if you more interested in one or the other, then you can uh, either stop listening at a certain point or fast forward. I'll leave that up to the listeners. We've talked a lot in the previous episodes about this show, Upload, that was about to come out, and now it is out. Yes. Uh, and I've seen all of it. You've seen I've seen the first four. Of it. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with it now, and I have not gotten all the way through it. So let's, why don't you lead it off? Uh, let's just sort of briefly talk about what it is and, and what, you know, works and doesn't in there. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is a show that, uh, has been described as a digital good place. Uh, it's got uploading technology in it. It's a sci-fi, but it's a half hour comedy format. And, uh, you know, the crux of it is that the main character dies, so they get uploaded to one of several digital afterlifes and uh, cue the comedy from there. Um, I think it's going to be pretty obvious quickly that you and I are not huge fans of the show. Although I got to say, I, I did watch it pretty quickly. Like, um, I mean, you, uh, I actually have a, the feeling from like the little bit we talked about it that you like maybe even are <laughs> hating it even more than I did. So I don't know if you want to like, lead with that like what well, are you... i don't know i don't want to just shit on it relentlessly but it is uh i think a textbook example of all the kinds of sci-fi mistakes that we hate and document um just from there being glaring inconsistencies in the world to there being like so many uh the technology doesn't work for a cheap joke kind of things and um but honestly, I, for me, I, I think actually I, I'd forgive all of that because it is a comedy and it's operating more like um, in the realm of logic that like a Futurama operates or something like that than even like uh, something as rigorous as Rick and Morty, you know, which is not that rigorous. But it's like it's it's really just it, I don't think it's going for any kind of real speculation on anything. I think it's just supposed to be a satire of today's capitalist world and, you know. So I, I'm willing to judge it on those merits, but I, I don't think it's very good at that either. I mean, well, and I think it has potential for that, right? It's just sort of by an accident of history, the fact that it came out during Corona, that like sort of a goofy tale about basically being stuck online, <laughs> right? Mm. Which is like what the digital afterlife is like. It's kind of like, I mean, the way they we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, but the way it's presented is, is it's like basically like a vaguely crappier life. <laughs> You well, know? you're stuck in like a fancy hotel, basically. That's how it's visually presented. It's like you, but it's not even of... that fancy. Like I've been, like yeah. I, I don't know, not even I've a been particularly to like not fancy. expensive hotels that are that are that yeah. are more fun than this one seems to be. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I just think that that could like everyone sort of being that feeling of being trapped, right? Well, you talked about how like that was one mm -hmm. of your predictions, right? That there'd be like stories about being trapped. This yeah. one was obviously written pre-Corona, but. Um, I just think like it has the potential to be kind of relevant to people's experience, this idea of being stuck in this slightly crappy online world. Sure. But but you don't think it's successful on the level of like what humor or drama or what? Yeah, I mean I think the the characters are really just the 
place where it's failing the most because I don't know. I I'm finding it very hard to buy them as real or care about what happens to them. Um, and I think that's where, I mean, something like the good place succeeds so much on the strength of its main four characters and how much you want them to, you know, succeed, even though they're apparently trapped in a, you know, uh, inescapable hell thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, which yeah, is those characters are, too. Yeah. Those characters are, are simple. Uh, like they're sort of like, well, they get they get more nuanced as the show goes on, as most they most characters in most shows do. Um, but I wouldn't describe them as that nuanced. They're like pretty one note, but they are likable, um, and they are consistent. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I don't I know. What's your... I don't think they're super nuanced. They're sitcom characters, but they're well drawn in the way that other well drawn sitcom characters are. You know, like the characters in Cheers or something, uh, and you you end up rooting for them. I think, you know, some of it is the charisma of the actors involved too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, for me, I get, I, we should get into the sci-fi stuff cause that's probably going to be more interesting to talk about. But for me, I think the show is really failing on like a casting level, a writing level, uh, an aesthetic level. <laughs> so even if they had gotten the, I mean, I would like it better if the speculation was better because that would be more intellectually exciting for me. But I still think it would be a, a tough, a tough thing to recommend. I mean, I guess I will defend it only slightly to say that, like, I mean, I watched it pretty quickly and I didn't find it that difficult to get through. My expectations were low. Mm -hmm. At no point did I feel like I really respected the show, but as just sort <laughs> of like candy to consume. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It served its purpose for me. I mean, it was like it had sci-fi ideas in it. Those it are scarce in TV shows it's in true. general. And, uh, you and, know, mostly and I notably, didn't have to take not it. all of the ideas in it are bad. I mean, I will yeah. give it that. And there are at least a few so far that I was like, oh, that's an interesting, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Should we go through some of the ideas that may be in it? Did, yeah. Really yeah. Let's stuck, stuck out to you. So, uh, I mean, the big one is there's something that was on our list of, sci-fi mistakes in our episode way back um that we called isolated technological advancement right i might rephrase that a little bit but i think basically the main problem with this show is the main problem with a lot of sci-fi is, is there's sort of an inconsistent level of technology um some things are advanced some things are n weirdly not advanced um, some like totally world changing technologies haven't actually changed the world. Like they seem like they should have. Right. I mean, broad strokes, that's the problem. I don't know if you agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So the world is supposed to be 2033. Um, but it's a very hard to imagine 2033 because it's got fully sentient, uh, emulated brains for one thing, but it doesn't seem to have you know, the associated revolution in work. And there's a hand wave that comes in in a later episode about that there's a law preventing that. Mm. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Uh, which I thought was better than not having a hand wave because the first episode, I'm just sitting there going, this makes no sense. Um, I don't really buy it as a believable prediction, but at least it's an internally consistent one. So I thought that was okay. Yeah, let me talk about that prediction though. Because like- okay. Because the part of the story, right, is like it wants to be this critique of maybe capitalism or something. It right? does There's appear like, to be about how capitalism is maybe a bad way to arrange the afterlife. Uh, right. You know, which 
It seems like an obvious point to make, but nonetheless a true one. But like, there's no way that like just standard capitalist incentives are going to allow uploads to not work. I mean, capitalism wants a ready pool of labor. Here's a ready pool of labor for you. Yes. They're, you think they're going to voluntarily give that up? They're not. The only way that uploads wouldn't be allowed to work would be an extremely concerted effort of live humans protesting and struggling to get those like passed to sort of protect their own interests. Um well, and that is like, at least how it's presented in the hand wave. Because she's is that how she says like, they don't say how it came about. She says like we're not going to let you guys come and take our jobs. Like it was, it was definitely presented as if living people, not which character said that? Uh, no, no, Nora, Nora, the the angel character, the main character, the main. I don't remember character. her saying that like so like specifically. Oh yeah, I just saw her. it. This is like at the end of the fourth episode, and it's the the hand, the literal hand wave line is something like, "Well, you didn't." think we were going to let you take all our jobs or something that's I almost see. exactly like that so it does imply that somehow the hu- the bio humans did this which is more plausible to me as you were saying um than the other way around but still strikes me as not the most likely thing to have happen um and not the I mean, most interesting thing to have happen from a dramatic I mean, point. the other thing it's at odds with, right, is that if uploading is expensive, which it's portrayed as in this world, yeah. and if the first people to do it are rich, wealthy, connected people, yeah. Um, I just feel like, are those people, like, if they're the first wave, are they going to want to be told they can't work? <laughs> and is are they going to allow that? I don't know. It just seems like a very unlikely prediction. Mm-hmm. I guess it's, I guess with, like, a really intense popular mobilization which i guess maybe they're hinting at it would be possible but highly doubt it yeah yeah i didn't love that prediction yeah it's it's the inverse of the robin hansen prediction which i find more credible which is basically like the emulated people take all the work yeah right and uh, in general like if you compare this world to the hansen world i think you know the hansen world looks a lot better thought through um, another thing that they have in this world that made no sense to me is they have people who are on like limited data plans for their death. And so they have to like basically live in a bad environment. Um, but uh, the way Hansen describes this is that you would just run slower, right? Right, so, right. So you would experience the same amount of pleasure or good environment as anybody else uh, because that's arbitrary. You can just... You know, I mean, again, there's some hand waving in the show about this. So, like, they know it's arbitrary, but they are intentionally holding back because they want to sell upgrades because of this capitalist, you know, critique that sort of runs through the show. But, and he is stuck in a particular uh, walled garden, uh, this horizon uh, lake view uh, afterlife. So, it's possible that there are competing you know, companies that are offering a better deal in this world or something, and that he's just in a particularly bad one or something. But it does feel weird. The way it's presented pretty consistently in the show, unless there's some revelation in a later season, is that, like, this is one of the good ones. And, like, that's my biggest problem, right? right? Is that, like, this, you know, it's fine, you know, if you want to make the capitalist critique that, like, some places have artificial scarcity. And and then maybe even this hotel has, like, you know, you pay for certain upgrades. Right. 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 Like, totally buy that. Right. Um, but, the, but this just hotel that's supposed to be one of the most expensive best places and, like, one of the characters that's in it is this, like, super wealthy mogul business person, apparently. 
Yeah, there's like a Koch brother analog in there called the yeah. Koch brother. Okay, so like yeah. the, the the uploaded world that the Koch brother goes to is this hotel that has like no fun activities other than like breakfast. Like no, like just there's no scenes of like anything interesting to do at all. Like there's nobody having fun doing anything weird or unusual. There's like just like the one bland setting. They don't even have control over their own avatars. That's to me was like the mind blowing thing in the first episode. Oh, right. right. Uh, like he can't even edit his hairstyle or something. And it's like, why on earth? You could do that in a video game now. Why on earth wouldn't they have that? That's ability? what I'm saying. Like your average free to play game, <laughs> yeah. which sells upgrades, is still more generous with its free version than this hotel is. Yeah. Which is supposed to be like the top of the line hotel. And so I, why would anyone choose this when, yeah, it just seems crazy. And, uh, and like there would just be something better available if this was this was possible because it's so arbitrary to make um things more fun or at least more surreal i mean it's it's just make it more yeah make it more fun and then you could still charge for upgrades on top of the fun but like why is the base layer so so drab right well like if you want to charge for an upgrade you could charge for like 24 hour orgasm or you know feeling of the greatest drug experience imaginable or like something you can't experience in life or something, you know, like feels like that'd be a better comedy too. Like, that would be a better like a comedy or show. Yeah. And it would be a better upgrade. Like it would be a better service that you're providing. And then the, the free version could just be like really good, except every once in a while it bugs you with an ad or something like, you know, and that could still be played, in a funny way, you know, like you can still, I don't understand why it has to be so bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. And if it's a show budget thing, then they should have not written it as the, like the, one of the best ones. Well, it like, definitely if they doesn't this, seem like they wrote the show with any budgetary considerations in mind. I mean, that's gotta be the single most expensive comedy anyone's ever made. <laughs> like it's crazy. Well, so how much so there money you go. they're spending on this show. Yeah. I mean, there are lots of effects and stuff in it. Yeah. Um, they're just not like doing, much <laughs> no I, I don't know well they have they don't seem to have either a worldview or an aesthetic point of view for the show and so it's just like oh the interfaces in this show the interfaces when she goes on her holographic laptop that somehow looks like an amiga you know it's got like five buttons at the bottom with giant chicago font you know and it's like she drags the file over to memory store and then all of a sudden all the files come back i mean Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's a rewind back to like old interface. Why, why isn't she talking to an assistant like everybody else in the same world? Like in, in this world, other characters talk to their assistants and talk to their f cars and talk to their, you know, it, it's just so weird. It, what do you think of the like holographic phone between the thumb and index finger thing? That was okay. So what what you're talking about is um, what happens when people who are inside the simulation want to use their phone, right? Isn't no, no, it's or outside. Is that outside the simulation. too. It's outside. It's everywhere. Oh, that's okay. Just like the phone. That's just the phone tech. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's okay. What I like about that is it's um, it retains the form factor, which is I think the thing that is sticky, which is like something yeah. about the hand size. You know exactly how that works. Like, what do you have something implanted in you that's projecting you, it or yeah. something? I don't know, and I don't know if I care. But I don't know. Do you have a? Did you did you not like that for some reason? Well, I I get it. I, it it makes an interesting visual, right? Because your your thumb and 
forefinger like makes like a natural like box shape right right, right. So, so it just kind of works right so i get that it just uh it just uh, try to do that for an extended period of time and your hand will get extremely tired oh yeah it just doesn't make any sense oh, yeah. right like yeah. like what we had in let go where it was like sort of like a pen that yeah would project something made a lot more sense i think yeah the or pen is a better a projector yeah. and i think also a lot of this stuff is just going to be generalized like wherever the like the projection is just in your vision it doesn't matter where you're looking you know so like either through a contact lens or a glasses mounted projector or some other system, you know? So you're just, uh, it's a square and it's just wherever you want it to be. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It would, it would not make you like suspend your hand in a very awkward and tiring shape. Maybe to answer, but not for the whole call. Right. Right. Maybe you yeah. like swipe the air to answer or something. Yeah. That seems right. I mean, I did think actually when he was holding his hand up at one point, I was like, wow, his hand must be tired because it's like a long call. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the actors are like, huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I guess people walk with their hands to their ears now. So maybe that would have been a cool thing to do, to have the the voice pull up when the, I mean, the uh, the square pop up when the call came in. But then if you took the call, you just like put your hand to your ear and then the video goes away and you're just talking to the person. But I guess they mm. want, they want probably the video for, for, media communication reasons rather than you know yeah for rather visual, than visual storytelling yeah 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 uh i will say there's like a cup like two of the major plot lines i like a lot in theory in theory um, yeah w- uh one of which is just that his uh his his girlfriend is paying for the simulation i think that's like a great idea mm. uh and like it's sort of like you know it paying his bills and like that sort of like weird power dynamic um i think is an interesting thing that it doesn't really go anywhere for me yeah i mean so far in the episodes i've seen they haven't paid that off in an interesting way although yeah the idea that you could be both conscious and also like someone's property and not like someone in your family or but like your your girlfriend with whom you have a sort of you know um, uncertain or prickly relationship um, is is yeah that's potentially interesting um, yeah I think that's interesting I also think the like father plot line is potentially interesting right where oh, the angels father you mean yeah so the angels uh, are the people that are like the pe- voice in your head that like guides you through the simulation process when you're having trouble. right they're customer service basically I mean that's the metaphor right it's the calling yeah. customer service and w- weirdly like you know one big difference between what we're planning and what this does is that they have the customer service people being real humans who are dialing into this uh, simulation world to help the uh, simulated people. Uh, whereas we would have uh, the exec be uh, an AI that is very clearly not human. Um, I guess sure, more no. like Janet in Good Place, actually. She's more of like a AI not human thing. She's not exactly now we're, that. But. We're um, still like sort of hand-waving some of our initial upload process, right? Because that's of a bit of a mystery to our, our characters. But I think... right. Where I buy a human is maybe like when we read that uh, recent Cory Doctorow book. Uh, what was the name of it? I'm drawing a uh, Walk right Away? Now. Walk Away, that's right. Um, 
you know, they have uh, humans sort of like talking the simulation through the early stages, like sort of like coaching them through the adjustment. Yeah. Uh, and that's so in get, upload too. That was actually a scene that I did buy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like up. it makes sense to yeah. have a human that is like, uh, like a counselor at school, like, and they, they help you through the hard parts and like you call on them when you really need them. Well, but, like, they also have human therapists. And this was one of the jokes I liked in the thing that show up in the form of like a dog. Right. Yeah. That was, uh, that made sense sort of. I mean, I don't know. It was weird, but it's weird, yeah, but funny. I, I like, I liked it. You know, it's not like it feels super a therapy dog. That anything. was the pun, right? Therapy dog is the pun, but it's actually a dog that has the voice of a real therapist who's sitting in a an office somewhere using vr to be the dog <laughs> um but uh, yes uh, that was that was not that was pretty good i thought and then but the angel character um where i was going originally was that mm-hmm. is the uh, her father right right uh it has some kind of terminal illness i forget right uh, and so she's trying to persuade her father to upload so she can still hang out with him. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't want to because he wants to be with his, I guess he's religious or something. He wants to be with his wife who's already passed on and was not uploaded. So she must be in heaven. Right. Um, I think that's like a very good story set up. I don't really like how that pays off either. Uh, and I, I know I'm farther in it than you are. Right. So but. I don't know where that storyline's going, but yeah, on the surface of it, I wasn't finding that one as interesting just because it seemed like it was going to go in a direction of like, you know, I guess real death is the right thing, you know, <laughs> or something, uh, instead of going to the interesting place, which for me would be, well, why can't both of those things be true at once? Right. I mean, if you, uh, die and get uploaded, if, I don't know, like... I mean, the interesting thing to me is the 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 character fight that creates, which I think uh-huh. which is believable to me. Sure. Which allows those characters to express philosophical point of views as, points of view as, like, science fiction often does, mm-hmm. but also has a very, like, grounded human element to it. I mean, it reminded me of when we did our cryonics episode, and, like, when I've done research in cryonics, there are, like, that's, like, broken families apart <laughs> because there are people that have exactly this fight like you know like dad you should cryonically freeze yourself i'm cryonically freezing myself and like that's a hugely contentious thing um and whether it's for religious reasons or not right you know people are weird and and irrational about death Um, sure (laughs) so i just think there's a lot of human drama there yeah 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 uh potentially i don't really see it in the show yeah i just like the conceptually there could have been yeah yeah i agree with that and i think there's there was potential for an interesting story in the plot premise as well, which uh, is that he was um, engaged in building a project that was going to be basically like a free alternative uh, to these um, paid afterlifes and that that has something to do with his death. Um, I don't know all the details yet because I've only watched some of it, but that much was clear from the first episode. So yeah, that's the sort of noir plot, right? Uh, like who killed him? Yeah. Uh, it's similar to like the water engine or like, you know, uh, other things. And it's, I like that. I think that that could potentially be interesting if you get into, you know, why are they, uh, threatened by such a thing? And why are they not engaged in normal competition in the first place? Right. 
And like, what is it about these um, afterlife simulations that requires the scale or the money or whatever it is that uh, that turns them into these horrible capitalist nightmares and and not into, you know, uh, abundant digital heavens. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Because so, like, if that's going to be your premise, that I, I don't think that's necessarily bad. But why? Like, I, I, we need a reason why that's how this all went. Yeah. Yeah. So that underlying, that's like sort of like the underlying plot, right? That's right. Like behind everything. Um, that's like the reason he's there in the first place because he's not an old man. He didn't die of cancer. Like, he apparently had a freak accident. But even in this world, that kind of freak accident, a self-driving car crash is very unlikely. So what what they quickly start to suspect is there must have been some sort of foul play, basically. So the finale, as you might expect, was where they like most, uh, you know, deal with that head on. I would, yeah, I would imagine. And that was my least favorite episode. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, all I'm, gonna, that's, that's all I'm going to say. It's like but, that plot line. Yes, I get why that's an interesting plot line. And it's one I've seen in sci-fi before, you know. Right. But it's not... Uh, you know, it even goes back to like down and out in the Magic Kingdom, right? Like where he reloads from backup. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, that doesn't really save the show. Yeah. Unfortunately. No, it just seems like it had a few good elements. And then, you know, uh, I don't know what went wrong, but it's as, you know, as somebody who like really wants to like it because of what the concept is, uh, I just, you know, I am having a really hard time with it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, so, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess we're not recommending it. I, I mean, again, I found it like sort of enjoyable candy despite all the negative things I'm saying. I also enjoy picking things apart. So, I mean, look, if you, <laughs> maybe yeah. some of our listeners do too. So, I mean, you know, I think we give, have given you a good sense of what it is, uh, and you can decide for yourself. Sure. I mean, it depends um, what your, yeah, what your values are. You might enjoy it. It definitely does have uh, an attempt to build a future world where, you know, there's 3d printing and there's, uh, uh, you know, um, Oh yeah. They had VR like a Drexler type joke. There was a lot of let go ish stuff like our graphic novel and it kind of, yeah, uh, yeah. They've done an attempt at building a whole future in the way that we did there. And so not every part of it is bad. Um, but I mean, just as an example, the very first scene, right. He's in the self-driving car and then he like plugs a game controller into the USB port in the car and then starts controlling the car with the, you know, with the game yeah, controller. Yeah, I didn't understand that. And yeah. it's just like, obvi- very obvious. Even It's supposed to be a hack or something. So it's not like they're saying it's an official feature, but that just is so ridiculous. Like it, it just shows that like we're going to... We've gone to some effort to build up this world, but we're going to just throw it away whenever we feel like it for a cheap joke. And then they just continue to do that over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, whatever. We should work on our own thing. But yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to look at this because it is a digital afterlife story and it is a simulation. And uh, 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 pleasingly, everyone knows that they're in a simulation. So there's none of that matrix nonsense which is, uh, that's good. That is one good thing about it. Um, but it so, doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't do the things that I would want something like that to do. So I think we still have, you know, we still have to do our thing. 
Oh yeah. Well, and let me let me transition a little bit, right? Sure. Because uh, one of the things that this show doesn't deal with well is, and and I promise I'm wrapping it up with the show. <laughs> this is my way of transition. Uh, is is you know how copyable software is, right? Right. Um, there are several times I think you haven't gotten to all of them yet. Um, in your watching, where you know they treat the upload like there is just a single finite copy, yes. that, like exists in one place at a time. Uh, and that gets to a particularly absurd point later on in the season. Um, so let's transition to, into our world here, right? Because one, uh, we had some plan topics for today, right? We wanted to talk about uh, both like what are the limits on the simulation and also like the issue of birth and which is and copying, which are closely related in this world, right? Right. Because um, we need to deal with this in our world, right? I mean, we have software beings. Um, can they make copies of themselves? Can they have digital children right um this is something we need like good decisions about that are now we can because of our premise we can afford to be maybe a little more arbitrary right um in some ways right because like we don't know or at least our our readers will not know exactly who our simulators are and what their what their like goals are right um and you know that's sort of the nature and neither will the characters in the world yeah yeah so, I mean, you know, as long as we make a good decision and stick to it, and it doesn't seem like pointlessly cruel. Um, but I don't know, like whenever I was thinking about this idea for a long time, I had always sort of just assumed that you couldn't, let's just stick with children for a second, that you couldn't, you know, you know, uh, ha- have a child, right? right? Um, but you and I had a conversation and, and you sort of persuaded me to rethink that. Um, I mean, where are you leaning on that now? Well, I think that, I mean, I, I, I think this was my point when we first talked about this, but I still feel like there are people for whom this would be a, a hell if they could not have children and they were going to just be alive. Let's say they'd never had children you know, some people have had them already um, <clears throat> and wanted them and they were just going to be alive and they could do anything they wanted except they could never have children. That that starts to feel like a vampire story to me in a way that, you know, we we didn't want this to be. Um, I also or think, like some of these other stories like Children of Men or... Yeah. Uh, where that's like sort of an overriding concern is like all the, like what happens, how do people freak out when they can't have kids? Right, right. And it's one thing if you're not going to die out, that's a little different, but still it's, you know, it would be distressing and for many people it would uh meaningfully impact their their lives um and how meaningful they thought their lives could potentially be. Um at the same time, I think uh uh burdening anyone with a child just because they did some sort of behavior um <laughs> also feels fairly cruel. I mean, I know that's how the world works now, so we are inclined to accept it. But... Uh, uh, well, we do have, you know, birth control, and you assume software birth control should work better. Yeah, yeah. We developed birth control in our society for a reason. <laughs> um, this was a suboptimal state of affairs, let's say. And, uh, and you know, it, it seems to me like if the simulators were human beings in the future and they were creating a simulation for the purpose of keeping humanity alive or something like that, or, you know, expanding humanity, um, it, 
it does strike me that they would want to program both of those things in, both the ability to have children and the ability to control uh, your body in that way. Um, I, uh, uh, if aliens are doing it, who knows, right? Or if it's uh, some uh, AI that's creating this thing, then who knows what its values are and what it's interested in and whether it wants us to have kids or not. Um, you know, I guess if it has a goal for humanity as a species, then it might want um, to use genetics to, you know, shuffle up the possibilities and create more potential solvers of whatever problem it's going after. Um, but Well, and that's a different simulation, right? Like to simulate... Um you know, the process of child development, right? I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, like, you have to have a very advanced technology to do this, period, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, like, if, you know, if we if we step into the little more grounded version of this, say, like, you know, just the Robin Hanson version, uh, where we have this, you know, sort of black box emulated technology, like, we can copy the brain part for part. Right. Don't necessarily understand it perfectly. Right. Um. That doesn't necessarily mean that we can, you know, create an embryo and run it through like the development process all the way through being an infant. Yeah, it just depends um, on what the resolution of our simulation is. If it's, uh, we could be uh, simulating things at the genetic molecular level, and then you could just simulate, you know, the birth process and the gestation process and the whole thing. Um, I guess I'm saying that does imply or, an or even more be, advanced simulation. Yes, it does. I think that's right. Or it could be a less advanced simulation, more like the one in Upload, uh, like a first or second or third gen sort of uh, technology that can destructively scan brains and then can play them back in another substrate, and they basically uh, operate like brains. Um, but then you would have uh, a lot more limits on what, people could do in that world it seems like people would be able to make copies of themselves but not have children which is kind of like the hansen vision for the age of or maybe you'd be able to maybe there'd be some median right like you'd be able to uh make a copy and like you know tweak a few knobs so it's not like exactly you right um but it's maybe it's maybe not simulating at a genetic level yeah, so the knobs would probably be similar to like drugs or, um, you know, brain chemistry type stuff that we know about now, um, rather than being able to say like erase specific memories or something like that, which still strikes me as if you're doing a black box brain, then memories are holographic. I don't know how you're, I don't understand how that would yeah, work. Yeah, you'd have to like try to wipe all of its memories, but again, that's not totally clear how that works right um yeah like memory wiping is not something we can reliably do with brains now so i wouldn't think well we can't scan and upload brains either but well we can scan them at low resolution just you know when they're dead not even not even close to like not close this technology though no yeah but i i'm just saying like if i imagine that just the scanning gets better to the point where you can run them again i don't think that necessarily gives us any insight into how to erase, you know, last Tuesday uh, versus, you know, just sort of simulating sure. an electric But what about just like wiping the whole thing to try to create an infant? Yeah, that's not, interesting. Not last Tuesday. I mean, right. last Tuesday is going to always be tough. Right. 
Right. Well, I think, you know, if you electric shock people, right, you can sometimes get them to like pretty close to complete amnesia. So they would certainly be able to do at least that. Uh, that would be a pretty crude process. Um, maybe you'd be able to develop a, a little bit better process by which you can literally just sort of disconnect all the connections. But then, yeah, I don't know. Do we, I guess we're assuming then that we've figured out the um, the model for making new connections. I think we have to assume that because otherwise the M's won't be able to learn very easily, right? So uh, if it, they have, we have to have some kind of model for making new memories, oh, yeah. making new connections. Yeah, the brain's got to got to be got to change, or it's not actually thinking. I feel like. Yeah, it's got to be in motion. Yeah. It's like it can maybe react, but it can't like long term. Yeah, so yeah, so we have to have that model. So that model already assumes, I think, actually pretty sophisticated knowledge of how the brain works, because I don't think we have a model like that now. Right. Um. So, I mean, no matter how you look at it, this is a very advanced technology that makes our world possible. It's just yeah. kind of like how advanced, right? I just, th I, I guess I'm just pointing out that there's a space between mm -hmm. uh, they can birth children in a very standard way and uh, they can only copy themselves. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, it is a more complete, more um, low-level simulation in the situation where they can have birth. That's not necessarily a strike against it to me, but I guess that that gives you some clues as to who the creators are or how advanced they are, at least. Yeah, I mean, it makes it, yeah, yeah. It, it, it does make them look just like light, even more uh, well beyond uh, like what we can conceive of now. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it may not matter. Um, I mean, what is dramatically interesting? I mean, I guess the thing about the middle ground area is it requires explanation right if there's some way to like make a child that's like you know sort of a pseudo child where you sort of semi copy yourself and tweak some things like that requires more exposition on our part although it maybe also creates some weird <laughs> novel scenarios it's definitely a lot cleaner to just say you can copy yourself full stop or you can uh birth a child the way that we already understand in our world right and i could imagine both of those things being allowed or either one being allowed or neither being allowed i mean all those make certain amount of sense as an arbitrary choice that the creator could make um so it's more a matter of yeah like i i find co uh copying of oneself very plausible and in a long-term sense very dramatically potential you know full of dramatic potential um mm -hmm. but i also find it in a short-term immediate sense very confusing <laughs> and i'm worried that it's not worth the narrative confusion up front that it gets us for you know that it gets us in interest later uh, well, it's just like, like, as we've discussed numerous times on the show, when you can copy people, you really open up a can of worms of like concepts and I mean, interesting stories for sure. Right. Uh, but, um, the, the sort of like, you know, uh, yeah, identity <laughs> disrupting like questions that come with that, you know, maybe have the potential to sort of override the story and like take it away from some of the, you know 
other things we're interested in exploring, right? Like the the post-scarcity economics and the like contract negotiations and the status games and the, th- you know what I mean? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I uh, think too. Um, so, you know, and it's not a death sentence. Like um, Marusek has his clone cities, his Freds and his, you know, whatever's in, uh, in Counting Heads and uh, Mind Over Ship. Um, and they don't take over the story. Some of them are characters, but there's more going on in those worlds than that. And they manage to be interesting and not be all of it. But it's so I don't think it's impossible, but it becomes a major thing. It requires explanation. It takes time out of the books to describe. Um, and yeah, and then it, it, it thematically, it really focuses you on issues of identity rather than issues of scarcity or, um, you know, uh, attention or status or these things that, um, that we've been talking about. So I, you know, that's what I worry about with it. Um, well, and the adjacent issue too, just to throw one more, Mm -hmm. I mean, before we start to make some decisions here, Mm -hmm. uh, we've talked about birth, we've talked about copying and the third thing is generating AIs, right. That I think is also ties right in. Right. Right. Because if you can build your own fantasy world uh, as part of the premise here, uh, is it empty? I mean, surely you can at least have, you know, butterflies fluttering around it. Surely you can have a pet dog. And then at a certain point, well, can't you have companions that look like humans? Um, so it's all kind of related, right? Um, yes. And again, it depends what the simulators are trying to do right if they want human beings to talk to each other then they might severely limit humanoid ai um maybe to like animal level maybe to the point where you can have a servant but you can't really have like an ai friend um or uh or lover right um or family member like these are Mm -hmm. the kinds of things that maybe they would prevent because they have this goal of like getting the humans out talking to each other. Maybe they don't care about that. Maybe they just want to provide people with everything they want, in which case you could have very sophisticated AI. Um, it, it, it may be that the AI is still inhuman in some way, right? Maybe it's not actually limited. It's just sort of uncanny or different from human beings in some way. Um, and of course, sci-fi has experimented with different ways to do that. We could do one that's been used, or we could try to come up with a new one. Um, that's an option. Uh, you know, in the past, we've talked about the AIs being in some way limited. Um, you still haven't watched Watchmen, right? Uh, I've seen two episodes of it now, enough to sort of know what you're talking about. So you've about. seen that Adrian is interacting with some weird people. I, he kills them, I think, in the first interaction. Yeah, I wasn't even sure. They hadn't really even revealed who that is yet. So is that Adrian? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, his name is in the credits and stuff. So I just figured, you know, you see uh, uh, Jeremy Irons and you just figure he's probably important, or at least I did. Uh, that, but so, Well, yeah, but they, they were sort of implying he might have been Dr. Manhattan just in a human form for some reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I don't think I'm blowing too much. That's Adrian. No, no, yeah. I don't, um, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm they not have, I don't think they've it. told you where he is or what state of matter he's in or any number like there's no i remember watching that and being like is he in a simulation like where is he <laughs> you know but i've seen he has got like yeah like uh like half 
thinking servants. Right. He's got these two servants and a male and a female and they are um, clearly not alive in the normal sense, right? Like they're, they're, they're sentient, but, or half sentient. Uh, They can converse with him, but um, you can tell from the way he interacts with them that they are not totally real. And then he basically disregards the value of their life, which, which shows you further that he doesn't regard them as real. Um, and then, uh, you haven't seen the rest of it, but they, they become important later. So, um, you know, something like that, something along those lines, I think does make a certain amount of sense. And I've seen it before, obviously there in other places. Um, so that's one thing we could do. We could have them be limited in some way that makes them sort of frustrating if you're trying to use them to completely replace humans, but allows you to use them in secondary, um, you know, sort of non-playing characters sort of roles, like to populate your video game world. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's, I, I mean, I guess at this point, like, cause I wanted to start this conversation in like a sort of an open way yeah. just so that we could sort of consider everything. Sure. Um, and, and, and take our listeners along with us. Yeah. But we, we did have kind of a rough draft of these rules that we should probably share. I, I you know, that we'd sort of agreed on. I mean, nothing's set. Yeah. I mean, but, this is just the last conversation, less informal conversation we had about it was, I remember something along this lines. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and, and about the, all these issues, the birth issue, the copying issue and the AI issue. So yeah. So it's sort of like our last informal discussion about the AI, um, which we've actually talked about on the podcast already was, yeah, that they are somehow limited yeah as they can be npcs but they're not suitable maybe as like long-term fully fleshed out companions um right unless you lower your standards enough i guess well you could make yourself a sex robot but you couldn't make yourself a wife (laughs) or or you could make yourself a, a jousting partner but you know if you play chess against it every day you're gonna learn how to beat it or something or i guess i don't know it'd probably still beat you at chess but you know what i mean like There'd be it wouldn't be as good at at conversing with you about why the best chess games were the best chess games or something. I don't know. There's some thing about it that it is that it has decided that it must limit either for the reason of encouraging humans to talk to each other or maybe for a reason of like resource management. Like you know, it doesn't want to put the resources into simulating things that aren't derived from real human i don't know i don't know why i guess it would be worth it for us to consider why this limit is in place um right uh who has put the limit in and why they might be doing it well i guess decide uh i guess i can imagine you know because like let's say um you know you and i are future beings and we've got a thanks a simulation on our desk, right? <laughs> a little box with like virtual people in it. Sure. We decided to play God. Um, Shake it up. I, I don't know. Like maybe um, we don't want, uh, maybe there's good reasons why we don't like want our simulations to like, you know, be playing around with sort of unchecked artificial intelligence inside the box. I mean, like what if they, what if they get smart enough to get out of the box somehow? I mean, that's the topic of a, uh, of a Greg Egan story that uh, I think is referenced in Rick and Morty called Crystal Knights. Uh-huh. I've read that story. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the one where the like uh, the simulations actually escape. Yeah, <laughs> into the like real world. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that, maybe to prevent that kind of scenario, you're like, all right, there's just some things that we there's some because access to unchecked AI is a kind of access to a kind of power. Um, now you could, I guess, arbitrarily set the point elsewhere. Like they could say you can make human level, but never above that. I guess that would be like a coherent rule. But maybe it was just simply for simpler for them to like stop somewhere below that, right? So there, we I think the assumption there is like the technology in uh, in the prime world in the real world uh, uh, got to the point where greater than human AI or human level AI was possible, but the people who built this simulation cage decided not to include. Um, access to it's that security technology risk. to yeah to reduce the security risk of there being sentient emulated brains bouncing around in this box. So it, you know that's dangerous enough. We're not going to also give them AIs to play with. Um, I could buy that, and then so then that means they basically just have maybe like an earlier uh, version of uh, the 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 base AI libraries or whatever, you know, the, 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 the base software that they're building there, you know, we were talking about them being kind of like kit bashed or like sort of put together the way you put together a character in a video game or something. Um, even if they're, so that could be like that, or it could be a more formal process where the, the system walks you through it a bit more, but either way, they're kind of limited to this technology that sort of predates the simulation they're in. Yeah, I'm thinking under the, because, you know, the, obviously everyone's able to build worlds, right? So, you know, my model right now uh, for what's happening under the surface there is, yeah, it is like a, a library of sorts, mm -hmm. right? A very vast library that includes, you know, uh, modules for making birds that fly and like modules for making mountains and handling physics and, uh, you know, making humans with like certain knowledge domains right um and like like you're saying yeah you sort of kit bash those together so your ai could be like have a combination of some number of modules but there's like sort of a limit on how many you can combine together coherently so you can't make like a human like like you could have a really an ai that plays one part really well but if you get them talking on a different subject then they're sort of lost um i think that makes sense um and i think that maybe could present some interesting situations, right? Because, you know, no library is totally unlimited, right? Right. But you could, as we know, like with creativity, the way it works, I mean, recombining things um, allows for like endless possibilities. So it doesn't really limit the creativity of our residents, but I think they'd still be using these sort of building blocks. And maybe at some level, if you're really going deep in world creation, you start to get a sense of what those like, discrete building blocks are you know what i mean yeah sure like you start to um sort of be able to see the like assembler code underneath the the more high level code or something like you sort of start to understand what's what's uh, what structures are undergirding it all and yeah i mean i it seems like at some point there's got to be some kind of a resource um bottleneck 
where like otherwise you know with something complex enough you could just using whatever building blocks they give you you could build your own you know turing machines and then write your own code and then run your own code and then sort of gut past right. whatever it is that they're doing right so yes so yeah. you you know at, at some point low enough molecular level or something uh, in the in the uh simulation itself there has to be some kind of like resource bottleneck where it's just like no we're not going to let can't just build a world that's a giant computer right and then like use that computer to simulate a whole new universe where you have different where you're a god you know like yeah you, you can't yeah, we can't let the system itself has to um, prevent that, uh, and so it can do th- it can do that in a way that is like kind of clever and subtle. I think it could do it in a way where, um, you know, you can add any module you want, but after seven modules, you know, the the thing usually goes insane or something. You know, like. Or it could be more clever and subtle than that. You know, it doesn't have to be so simple as that, but it could be. Um, what I'm really willing to, I mean, I'm, I, I like this decision. Like, I'm willing to accept this, uh, you know, that there's these limits um, that kind of have to be there on AI um, as a security-like feature for the simulators. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just it just makes a lot of intuitive sense to me. Like, it almost, like, now feels like, well, of course it would be that way, right? Um, you know, unless the simulators were, I guess, not concerned <laughs> about security, which is possible uh, in a different story. But I like this because right. I think it keeps it keeps our, you know, we don't want our story to be, we don't want to be Crystal Knights, right? We don't want it to be the story of trying to escape the simulation <laughs> by building a super AI, because that's a that's a different story. Um, no, no, we want the simulation to be airtight and also good enough of an experience that no one really wants to leave it. You know, some people want to do something different within the simulation that they're, than they're doing right now. They want to be more famous or be in a better world or whatever, but they don't, people aren't generally trying to leave it in our world. And we don't really want to do that. Or I would accept that maybe some people initially wanted to, but they, they weren't able to. And they've largely given up by this point. The deck is stacked against them. Which again, I also think is just intuitively believable, right? I mean... Yeah, and anyone who really, really wanted to get out at this point has either retreated into fantasy or or deleted themselves or something. Or suicided, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I guess by a similar token, I would accept one of the other things we had kind of tentatively agreed to, which is uh, going back to an earlier conversation, which is that they can't copy themselves. And we are also sort of leaning that way, it sounded like, because of the sort of identity... That's melding. to me the strongest reason not to do it. It's not a prediction reason, but just like, is is it dramatically interesting to have, you know, discrete instances of people that don't share um, consciousness continuity in a universe like this? Or should it just be that like, the system limits your attention to one world at a time and you can just jump from world to world very quickly but you can only be in one at once, you know, at any given moment, like that's where you are. And so there's not really copies of you. Like there is copies of you in the sense that the some the system is somehow making copies or something, moving files around and stuff like that. But that like, there's not discrete different consciousnesses that are all ontologically you, you know? Yeah. Like it will only run one 
just because the system will only run one. Well, something that was kind of amusing me to think about before the podcast, because I, I, I agree with that, is that, you know, we we talked about how, like, you know, there's not going to be any massive revelations on the level of, like, someone wakes up from the civiliz- uh, simulation or someone discovers who God is, right? Like, that's not going to happen. They, but we did... But they we did talk about the skies black or something. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, something, what? I don't know. Something like that in the Matrix, right? They like they painted the skies black or something like that. What is the, that? Is this cyberpunk? The machines, you know. Was your writing? I'm just okay. trying to remember some bullshit from the Matrix. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, we're not gonna do that stuff. No. But we have talked about like how it's fun to maybe on our timeline have like these incremental improvements in knowledge you know and people do science sort of a sort you know where they try things they figure out maybe not quite hacks but they figure out like how to ask their exec the right thing to get the right thing done um you know they, they maybe uncover new preferences or settings um maybe they start to like figure out again the sort of like shape of these underlying modules and their limitations and maybe exploits involved right i mean i really like that i mean i think that's like right squarely in our concept right the fact that there might be some sort of like things you could learn sure um science after, within the world basically. yeah yeah after 50 years in there you know people find some cool exploits or new things or like ways to build stuff on top um and so i don't know i could i could be on board with the idea that at some point uh people like sort of find a weird glitchy way to sort of make copies or something um oh, i see i'm not sure that but that's like a, a hack. Like they figure out that there's a a molecule copier and they figure out how to, I mean, just, you know, spitballing. They figure out there's a molecule copier and they figure out how to like automate it to copy all their molecules in a short enough amount of time that they can sort of instantiate a, a, a copy or something, even though you can't directly tell the exec copy me or something. Sure, or, or they set up two like contradictory you know, contract rules, like one that implies they get ejected and one that implies they stay. And then the result is that there's two of them, right? One that got ejected and one that stayed. Oh, like one that, that goes to the home world and one that stays in the other world. And then, then the one that in the home world can come back and now there's two in the same world or something. Yeah. I kind of like that idea that like, sure. you know, they, yeah. the contract doesn't know how to resolve it, you know, other than that. Right. Um, And that then this like leads to a new sort of like realm of economic activity, like in our timeline. I don't know if this would affect, since we're making one finite graphic novel of however many pages, um, you know, I'm not sure if this is something that we would want to go there. I mean, we are trying to, to some extent, build a, like a world that, you know, could sustain future stories, but I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the idea that that something like that, it might be in our timeline. Right. Um, so that could be like, so maybe that's something that gets discovered during our story so it's not the biggest influence on the world at the time of our story but we can we set ourselves up for a future story about you know the world of neds or whatever uh that has evolved 50 years later where one guy copied himself seven million times and populated a world with only himself or something <laughs> like or whatever we think the interesting story is about yeah that. i mean that might be the best of both worlds because then we get to like because it is these copying ideas are fun yeah right? i mean uh, uh and it sort of allows us to like dip our toe into that and to deal with it in a way that's like you know 
exploiting the rules <laughs> in so, some way. Right. So it's like the first person to figure out how to copy themselves inside this world is the story we're we'd sneak into our current book as like a tangent story or something. Yeah, as something that's be, a story that one character is telling another or something that's like literally happening in the background of a world or like something that our main character gets involved in briefly or something like that. But we haven't like felt the we we've not felt the effects of this being like adopted and like filtering out at all. Right, since he's the first one, the news of it is just spreading, so people haven't other people haven't even done it yet, much less like settled on whether it's a good thing and if they want to do it and all of that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, That's cool. So then the other issue is birth, right? And again, we had a tentative decision about this that um, I've been sort of obscuring up until now, which was we had thought maybe you could have traditional kids, which again implies this very advanced simulation uh, than quote unquote normal way, but that it defaults <laughs> to uh, like birth control defaults to on in this world because death defaults to off. So they just kind of like assume, like they assume defaults are the sort of steady state population model, right? Right. Where like you can neither die nor have kids, but there is a a set of instructions you can give to your exec, maybe not known to everybody immediately that would allow you to have traditional kids, right? So how do you feel about that now? Because that was sort of where we were last time we talked about this. Well, I like that as a fix. Um, Now, if it is something that is very obscure, uh, which is something that we did discuss, uh, and it's um, uh, it takes a while before it's... um, widely known or maybe it's only widely known in the larger worlds but out in the smaller uh less connected worlds it's not well known um you know then i think it, 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 we still are maybe suffering from a little bit of this problem of to some people that might just seem unnecessarily hellish um but yeah i like it because i i think it <laughs> it, it it expresses this value that I have that we were, I was saying before that's like I don't think anyone should be forced into having kids or forced into not having them so having it be a setting that you set I really like and then the default being on also makes sense to me it seems like you know had had man designed nature rather than nature designing nature and had uh, immortality been a part of the human experience from the beginning um, then birth control would have been on the only part that I'm maybe not sure of is uh, should it be hidden or should it be something that you just ask the exec to turn it off um, in a straightforward way. And I guess that is the thing that seems to hint again at what the simulation is for, for me, right? So, um, Right, right. Uh, well, and you, I, I can Im- from their perspective, I can imagine them... Uh, yeah, defaulting it to off for the reasons you said, but I can imagine them also allowing it because it's not quite from a resources and security standpoint, it's not as threatening as the AI or the copying, right? Like, you know, it still takes nine months if it's, if we're literally following biological rules here. Right. And maybe it should in order to, you know, enforce a, 
uh, a constraint on it that people would accept <laughs> because it's not, you know, it's what's the same as na- nature. Right. But also that the simulator would accept, right? They're like, you yeah. know, even if, even if the, the simulator is doing like the back of the envelope math of like, you know, even if all of my simulated people like immediately start having kids, right? This can only grow so fast, right? right? We can, we can, we can deal with it. Um, but yeah, would they hide it, right? Because the exec is, you know, you'd think sort of helpful. And if uh, somebody's, you know, it seems like a natural question, like, I want to have a kid. Can I have a kid? Or exactly, know, just have sex and see what happens. And then... Well, right. It seems like somebody pretty early on would say to their exec, um, how do I get pregnant? You know? And the, the exec would probably say... Uh, well, you can't get pregnant because your birth control is on or something like that. Um, now, I might just say you can't get pregnant and be mysterious. Um, and I understand that. I'm not saying we can't do that. But yeah, it seems a little bit more human focused, let's say, a little bit more human built uh, or like built by humans who are more close to the humans that are in there if it's more straightforward about this, because that seems like it's a relatively common human value where people would be asking that and then it would say, you know, your, your birth control's on. And then maybe your next question is, can I turn my birth control off? And it's like, yes, you can. Do you, do you want to do that? You know, um, uh, or maybe it's more complicated and uh, you have to ask it a more specific set of questions, in which case uh, people do figure it out, but not as quickly. Um, I'm not opposed to that exactly, but I do think it makes the whole thing feel a little more alien or a little more far future, I guess. What well, is starting to become a, another question, which maybe we should postpone to the next episode because it's sort of a, I mean, it points at like what, how helpful was the exec, right? Um, it's, you know, we know that we don't want it to have like a effusive personality, right? We want it to be a little bit dry. I don't want it to be humanoid. I mean, like not even as humanoid as Janet on Good Place, but I, right. yeah, but I think it could be fairly conversant in English. Let's say you know, like it could, it could be fairly human in its use of language. I think if we want, right, right, and of course, there's no, you know, even no style is a style, right, and we don't want it to do the robot like clipped speech thing necessarily because that's cliche but i I, um i guess i'm imagining it being pretty dry yeah you think it would be geared toward dryness clarity calmness right like it's not really trying to sell you anything it's trying to help you through you know a, a complex world that is not exactly the world you were built for so I think, you know, it's just how much feedback is it giving you, I guess, is a is a question. Like, if you give it a, a command that it can't execute, does it throw up an error? Does it talk to you about what went wrong? Does it just sort of, you know, blink like a cursor? Um, you know, how forgiving is it, I guess, is a big question for me. I guess, you know, a guiding principle of the simulation as we've sort of, like, painted it so far, right? Uh, and, and this is, we, we've been sort of pushed this direction because of dramatic possibilities we want to preserve is that, 
it allows you to make mistakes, right? It, you know, yes. Uh, freedom seems to be a value of some sense in this place, right? Big time. Uh, you have your own home world. You can do whatever you want there. There's like, oh, there's automatically uh, enforcing contracts, right? I mean, it's enforcing contracts. Yeah. It's, uh, but also you can sign bad contracts. So you can, like, you know, it's not paternalistic in the sense that it allows you to mess up. So, you know, and that kind of goes with the sort of dryness of it. So I guess I could imagine it having sort of this ethos where like, like you, I mean, you said it's not trying to sell you on anything, which I mean is relevant now because our current assistants are often, but yeah, I, I, well, I, mean, they are I, I would, upload too. I was thinking a little bit of the, you know, the angels and upload. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. They do have to sell stuff, but I, I would like generalize that to even say like, maybe it's, trying really hard to just like not push anything at all, you know, like, uh, like obviously it wouldn't be selling products, but it's just like trying to not bias, you know, maybe that's a value for the simulators in some way. Um, I mean, if they're, if for them, this is a science experiment on humans or something, maybe they're just trying to like be as neutral as possible, whatever that means to them. Um, I like that. I like the idea that they're just trying to be neutral and prioritize freedom. Um, I mean, that could be the case, you know, almost regardless of who exactly they are and what they're doing it for, uh, whether it's because they're trying to preserve their data or whether it's because they're, you know, they have a moral thing that they're trying to do or what, you know, entertainment, whatever reason they are doing it for, they wouldn't, potentially want to be very neutral and very uh uh oriented toward individual freedom right because they don't let's let's say like on the issue of like pregnancy they really are interested in not biasing people either for or against having kids Right. right so does somehow that like desire to be neutral lead to them being a bit obtuse on that issue when asked about it I mean, I don't know exactly how that works, but maybe there's a, maybe there's a path there. Right. If that makes sense. Right, right, right. Like if you, I ask, can I get pregnant? It says no. But if I ask, can I get pregnant in my, with my current configuration or something, you know. Like it just doesn't volunteer. Like it if I. It omits. Yeah. Lot. Like it omits the information unless I ask exactly the right question, which is like, is there a way to change my configuration so that I could get pregnant? then it would be forced to say yes. And then I would have to be like, well, how do I do that? (laughs) You know, then maybe it would have to tell me, but it would maybe be somewhat obtuse on that. Um, I like that. I think that's cool. Now you would still think a lot of people would figure it out. Right. But there's also a lot of worlds. (laughs) So there could certainly be entire communities that don't know. I guess another interesting thing to ask ourselves if we are going to allow birth is then uh, what is the experience of being a child in this world? When do you get your own world? When do you get your own exec? When do you start to be a God who can create things? Because human beings uh, have to be raised, right? So, geez. Yeah. If we allow birth, and this is a big, this is the biggest argument I can come up with for not doing it, actually, 
uh, we if we allow birth, then we have to give them an age of majority, and well, it, or we don't, or we say the age of majority is zero. Well, but then if we say that, then babies are being born with God powers on worlds with no other humans, right? And then they're being expected to develop like that. Well, maybe they uh, have, and they wouldn't so, have okay. the, the verbal ability to, for example, look for their parents or anything like that. So it seems like for at least some period well, of time, they have to be in the care of the parents. Well, hang on. So if if we're doing biological birth here, which also raises a whole bunch of other questions, right? Well, I mean, it, it raises like one big question about simulation resolution. But I think if you get past that one, I think it's it's okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. But like, okay, so, uh-huh. you know, you're... Um, I don't know. I guess, like, uh, you know, since you don't have to worry about pain or, or or death, I guess it's it's way less risky, right? You know, so you just go to like a nice garden world to have your child or whatever. Sure. Um. the The child is born there on that world, right? Now that doesn't mean that they don't have a home world that they're just not in. Or is uh, that world automatically set as the child's home world where it is born? And then the child can change it at such time as it can, you know, say words. That would be a logical way to go. Oh. Um, and, 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 you know, the child has all of its godlike powers, but it can't, literally can't speak. So, I mean, I guess it does raise the issue of like, you know, kids become verbal pretty quickly. Um, you know, like an angry, you know, toddler could, you know, pretty easily rebel against their parents and like retreat, you know, and maybe that happens. And this, I mean, that would be implied by that, I guess, if we didn't have an age of majority, which again, might be consistent with this like hyper freedom, uh, that exists in this world. Right. Right. Or there might be, I mean, that might be another thing that the parents can set, right? So maybe the parent can set like degrees of freedom for the kid, uh, up until some certain point, at which point they're, you know, the ma- the majority kicks in and, and the kid gets all control or it could be just the kind of thing where the parent has complete control over the kid and can relinquish control to the kid whenever they want. <laughs> I mean, I like that. I like that better. I mean, I, th- that's cool the- to me because that respects the freedom thing, but it also creates the possibility that people would have kids that they never really let out from under their thumbs, which would some people would do. And that's interesting. Um, yeah, I guess I, I, I'd be, so I, I really, for whatever reason, having a negative reaction to the age of majority thing, that just doesn't feel right. Well, um, it's a very weird rule to be enforced at the universe level. <laughs> yeah, maybe right? that's it. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's too granular. It's like, yeah, yeah. But it um, does seem like it's necessary if we're not going to have like weird problems other than well, it just, they all belong to the parents. But I, but I also I also quite like the the just like there is the just age zero right like they can literally do whatever they want they they don't literally have the capability to though because they can't speak and then at such point that they can like you know how rebellious will a kid be uh, yeah I mean I guess it just I'm 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 feeling I like mean, your average kid if, could if go run out in the street kid, whatever they want but. To like at two or three years old to like, you know, be like, 
screw you, mom and dad, I'm going to my own world and pop out of existence and never see their parents again. That would, I think, pretty quickly uh, change the culture with regard to childbirth altogether. But how common do you think, like, like, obviously there would be cases where that had happened. But I mean, how common really do you think that would be? I mean, because, I mean... I don't know. I you guess know. it depends how like flexible like and pliable it be that common. the system is. I mean, it, it, is it the kind of thing where like the kid has a tantrum and he goes like, I'm going to my own world. He pops out of existence and the parents are like, oh no, we might've lost our kid forever. And then like 20 minutes later, most of the time the kid just pops back and it's like, I'm hungry. That's kind of, I mean, not, I, or I whatever. mean, the hunger thing doesn't work, but I would, or yeah, like, I would kind I of miss expect my mom them to just, or, you know, whatever. But like, I, yeah, I don't know. I got to think about it. I, it seems like kids are so irrational after for years after they're verbal that, I don't know. It's, honestly, to me, the most logical thing seems to be that they they reside with the parents and that there is no age of majority and that most parents just give all of the keys to the kid at a reasonable time. But... Yeah, 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 I, I could think about I, the other thing too. I don't know. I, I I could be on board for either. Maybe. I mean, you know, the, in the second one, you have like potentially, you know, lifetime slaves, which is yeah, kind you of have rough. some potential child abuse sort of um, stuff going on. I don't uh, know. I mean, in that case, it, I mean, the other world, it's just it becomes like a burden of parenting to like you know raise your child in such a way that they don't vanish to their home world and never ever want to come back. It just seems like. I just, it doesn't seem like that would be the majority of cases. Hmm. Uh, it feels like, yeah, it feels like some kids would rebel and then get bored and come back or something. I guess it depends on how easy it is for the kids to come back because if they're young, they might not know that they can come back or know how, you know? So, but I guess if it's very easy, if it's just like, I want to go home and then you pop home and you don't have to do any... Well, now we're back to like the exec, right? How like if the baby just says like cries and says like mama, like does the exec basically figure out what the baby wants? Right, right, exactly. And how how intuitive and how um, active is it? You know, how specific do you have to be in, in the commands that you give it? All right, well, let's think about that one. Yeah, let's, that's a good why, question. Why don't we wrap it up there? Yeah, I think we should stop there. Yep. Uh. All right, so I don't know all the things we talked about, but uh, actually I do. Let's see if I can go through this. Try it. Uh, okay, so uh, you can uh, not make copies, uh, but maybe copying to technology gets figured out as a glitch, like during our timeline, but like not fully exploited. Okay. Um, you can only make AIs of a certain level. Right. And we'll still have to think a bit about exactly what that level is and why. Um, but we have some ideas about we how do. to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, for now, can probably make kids uh, the traditional way, right? But birth control defaults to off. So we're leaning toward, yeah. Um, big question is, like, is there... You know, can kids control their own? That can control their own themselves, reality. right? Yeah. Can kids control their own reality? Sure. 
Um, yeah, just and it, philosophically, I'm super into the idea that they can. Um, but I wonder if I wonder if that creates too many story problems for us. I don't know. We'll have to think about it. Um, and then I feel like we also had like a, some good conversation here. I don't know anything that I can like boil down about like what the simulators are thinking. Maybe. Which yeah, I'm realizing keep, like, as we were to talking today that many of our decisions hint at that. So we need to, yeah, we need to figure out what we want to be hinting at. Even though I know we're never going to reveal it, but I think we should know like which direction we want to hint at. Well, we, <laughs> I, I feel like good fiction writing may demand that we should decide. Yeah, and then I guess it's and then I guess it's unclear whether we should talk about it on the podcast, right? Because it's like, huh. is that? Uh, I mean, maybe we should because this is a behind the scenes podcast, uh, or maybe we shouldn't because it's like something that's sort of intentionally not revealed. I think so we I can continue know. talking about it until we decide, and then we should probably stop. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be really hard. I mean, we may just have to reveal it. Yeah, uh, I think we can reveal it. You know, I think yeah. we can kind of reveal everything on this because people who are listening to this are... They're a rare group, I imagine. We assume you all are, in a good way. Well, thank you for listening, since we're talking about you. Yes, you particularly. Thank you. And on that note, uh, <laughs> see you next time. This has been Constellation, Making the Graphic Novel. Our theme song is Pomona by Audios. To subscribe to this podcast, look us up on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher application. You can find us on Twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.